0: Welcome to Life to the Full podcast, a message to Christians. We are the Zitos. We have started a new season of Facing a Responsibility. And last week, Jimmy talked to us about heaven on earth. One of the things we would like to do today is dive a little deeper in some of the things that I still had questions for Jimmy and for us to have a
1: conversation around. Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world.
0: Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and responsibility. Transform Live is about growth,
1: learning, and evolving. A transformed life leads to transformed communities, and transformed communities impact the world. One conversation at a time.
0: Okay, so one of the things where I wanted to ask some questions or more for clarity purpose is Jesus as a temple where heaven meets
1: earth. So, yeah, just like you were saying, you know, we're in a series facing our responsibility as Christians. Uh, and We don't think that 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 means the same as most people will take it. You know, this isn't something else for you to feel like that you're failing at. This isn't something else for you to feel guilty about. Uh, And heaven and earth is basically the story of the Bible. Uh Right? How that went wrong. That relationship was damaged. And God's attempt to heal it, to bring it back together. Um, So last week we established, you know, the way heaven is used in the Bible in terms of God's space versus man's space. Mm-hmm. And we saw some examples of that. Some classic ones are Jacob's ladder or Jacob's staircase uh, with the angels, uh, you know, descending and ascending. Jacob realizing, oh, this is the very place of God. We talked about Moses and the burning bush, right? Yeah. Which could, you know, could literally be a metaphor or the Bible could be signaling to us that that's literally the tree of life on fire at a high place, an Eden-like setting. Um, heaven and earth coming together um, and we talked about right. we used three. Oh, and God coming down at Mount Sinai that, that idea even directionally you know God is up there we're down here we've been separated and God wants to come back down to us God wants to bring his space to our space again but there's a problem the problem is that we've chosen not to We've chosen not to be aligned with God, not to be aligned with our purpose that God put for us in our life, right? And so we have the idea of the two gardens that we kind of talked about. We have the Garden of Eden that we were kicked out of, right, because we sinned, we failed, right, we messed up. Uh, I should say rather more than like a failure, more like we just, we weren't doing what we were supposed to be doing, which is trusting God. That's what we were built to do. So we removed from the garden. Fast forward, family of Abraham, people, uh, Abraham's descendants through Jacob become Israel, right? Moses he builds the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. Tragedy he can't get in, right? He he can't. God's presence comes down. He can't go in. The book of Exodus ends Exodus forty with Moses outside, unable to get in because of the presence of God. And the book of Leviticus happens, and the book of Leviticus is spoken by God to Moses from God's inside, Moses' outside, and they basically tell them how to deal with sin. They go through all that. They spend about a year doing that, doing all the festivals. We love festivals, right? All the parties, Mm -hmm. right? probably wasn't like that, Um, but you know what I mean. Um, And then they, they dealt with their sin through sacrifices and the different Levitical laws, establishment of the priesthood to minister between that and then miraculously in the book of numbers Moses is now inside the tent after about a year Uh, so it's like it's a miracle it's it's amazing it worked we were able to enter into that garden like space that sacred space where heaven and earth meet by dealing with the sin fast forward through the monarchy monarchy again it didn't go well right Israel failed to live up to its mandate to be a kingdom of priests, a light to the Gentiles, a blessing to the world, God's plan of bringing the world back together. Um, so, you know, even though so- Solomon, again, built the temple, same thing, he couldn't get in, right? God's presence descended. Sin had to be dealt with, mm-hmm. um, you know, through sacrifice of, you know, it says lots and lots of animals were sacrificed, even though those numbers seem to be symbolic. hmm And that takes us uh, to, like, just the concept of sin, how to deal with sin in Leviticus.
0: So they can't get in because of sin?
1: They can't get in because of sin. Well, that's that's the impression. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because then, right, so the Bible loves not to state stuff explicitly because it expects you to be paying attention. (laughs) It expects you to be tracking with the whole thing. So sometimes, you know, often the Bible doesn't say specifically, now, what I really want you to understand here, it kind of leaves you to, like, figure it out.
0: I'm asking that because um, when I hear dealing with sin, right, mm-hmm. and you're talking about animal sacrifice. Yeah. We're talking about, like, it's the sacrifice that purifies people for them to enter the temple.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah.
0: So that, to me, as a Christian, is saying... I need to deal with sin by getting baptized for me to enter the kingdom or the temple. Like I automatically go there.
1: Right. So Yeah, I mean I, I can I can see that. You know? I think uh one of the reasons like we're going through this like foundationally and we're getting we're getting to certain things is because it is one of those things where the the Bible is is clear, like in in terms of like it's a, in its narrative structure, you can understand it, but it's not necessarily simple. It's not necessarily easy just to put it into like a couple of paragraphs.
0: Oh, I know, but that's how we do Christianity in in my tradition. Yes, it's simple. It's black and white. Yes, it's either this or not. Either you're in or you're out.
1: Yeah. And I think we'll get to this more once we get to the gospel. Uh-huh. But I do think like, yeah, like in a tradition like ours, there are certain um, things you have to know before they allow you into, into the tradition. Uh, we would call them the studies uh-huh. as, as they've come to be known. And, you know, in my opinion, most of the studies are kind of like almost in a sense a record of a past argument. Like, you know, like one of the things that's important in the studies is the word study Like it's very important to establish that the Bible is God's word Uh and it's authoritative and we have to do what it says. Uh You know, we pick out our scriptures there and, you know, we're missing a lot of the fullness and the depth of, you know, what the Bible actually says about the Bible in other parts of the Bible, not just the ones that we picked out to construct a certain point. You know, we'll talk about there's the kingdom study where they just, you know, one of the things there is just kind of making the point that the kingdom came on Pentecost. Most of Christian, most of the disciples in our tradition, those aren't the things that keep them up at night. Those aren't the things that were like deal breakers for them to become Christians. Most of them became, as we would call them, disciples or Christians in our tradition, usually because of their relationships. Not necessarily because the studies are... Informative in a sense, and this is what the this is what the community says that we all believe. Um,
0: or sometimes make it as a law. If you don't go through it, you don't you won't become a descent. We were not we're not going to baptize you.
1: Right, we're not going to baptize you.
0: Mhm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the baptism issue, if it's okay with you, mm-hmm. I would like to shelve.
0: Well, but I wasn't talking about baptism. I was talking about dealing with sin. Mm -hmm. When you say, when you talk about that concept of animal sacrifice, and then you go right into Jesus as that he is the ultimate sacrifice, I believe that a lot of times we can dismiss everything you talked about from Genesis 1 up to that point and forget about everything else. So I, I was just, I, I wanted just clarity when you're talking about people entering the temple, they needed to deal with sin by animal sacrifice. Is that yeah. So just clarity on that? Is that true? Is that?
1: So the Bible is constructing a narrative
0: mm-hmm.
1: where there is God's space versus man space. And God wants to bring together man's space and God's space or human space and God's space.
0: Yeah. Okay. But he can't
1: mm-hmm. because of something called sin. Uh-huh. Now, sin, again, I think we talked about this before. It needs a, a new definition. Right. I think whenever you run into words in the Bible that you would never use in daily life, uh-huh. like, oh, yeah. I stubbed my toe. What a sin. Uh-huh. You know, Oh, I, I sinned by not seeing that, like, you know, missing the mark. Uh-huh. Like, you know, like we don't use that word. So I think that's a signal to us that we have language here that's old and it's archaic and that it used to mean something to a, a group of people when maybe the Bible was translated into right. our language that it doesn't. So to make a long story short, yes.
0: Well, that's why it's important for me to stop and ask you that because then I'm going to take it literally the way I've been taking it yeah. for all this time. Because the second you said dealing with sin, that's what I'm thinking. Gotcha. I I'm a sinner. I'm terrible. I've done all these things in my life, and I just need to get back. I'm not talking about baptism. I'm just talking about what the word evokes in me when sure. I hear it. Yeah,
1: and I, I think the majority of, of people who, you know, are Christians, profess to be Christians. I think they would they would agree with that sentiment that. Uh, Yeah, you know, absolutely. Sin is something that, you know, that that I do. I'm such a sinner. I'm so terrible. Um, You know, even the phrase, you know, born in sin, Mm -hmm. concept of original sin, Mm -hmm. like we're just born dirty and, you know, already dead in a sense, you know, where.
0: So for clarity purpose. So when you said dealing with sin, what did you mean?
1: Um, dealing with Israel's failure to live up to its part of the story.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's that's clear.
1: Yeah. You know, because they're even in the foundational stories of human civilization, Genesis one through eleven, like it's you know, it's it's humans not living up to the intention of what they were created for. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. Much yes, much yeah. better. Mm-hmm. Which is
1: it's good. It's good to, to slow down mm-hmm. and kind of unpack some of that language. Um, because the idea of heaven and earth is so foundational to the scriptures, as we saw last week with how many times, you know, heaven's mentioned, earth is mentioned, together they're mentioned, um, as, as we'll see when we, you know, start talking about mm-hmm. the gospel, um, you know, Jesus is, seems to be talking about that as well. You know, heaven breaking into earth, mm-hmm. God's space coming to invade man space, human space, um, and, and what that means, how, how that's changing things, right? So it is important to kind of slow down a little bit and back up because I do feel like there's, on one hand, there are people who will hear this podcast who will be like, yes, mm-hmm. I am with you heart and soul. I am totally tracking. I have read the same books. I've listened to the same people. Yep. Where it's like when you look at the way – their Christianity has worked out in their lives, it's absolutely, they don't, we're on different, totally different pages.
0: Well, I'll be careful with what you just said too mm-hmm. because when I hear that.
1: Hear what specifically?
0: Um, what their life. Yeah. Uh, I, as a Christian, I automatically think terrible, like mm. being hypocrites, like not really um, living as Jesus. I think negative when you say
1: that. Huh, I wonder if I mean it like actually that way. Um, I don't mean it necessarily negative. I, I mean it more in a way that I think I feel like makes me sad. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I had a roommate in college who uh, we were studying the Bible with him, so he got really, really close to becoming part of our church, and then he lost his apartment he lost where he was going to be living he was going to basically be homeless so we took him in to the place we were living and me and this other other person from my church um you know and I, i was even thinking oh this is this guy's going to become my brother in the next few weeks be part of my church uh but you know it didn't work out it didn't work out he didn't become part of our church and uh you know we eventually you know had to ask him to leave you know our apartment, or we didn't have to. That's what we did. And I've been reflecting a lot on that relationship lately. Actually, reach out to him on Facebook to connect with him again, because in some ways his life was more Christian than my life. You know, uh, my parents lived upstairs. You know, and uh, as a as a poor college person, rarely had food in uh, my apartment. But my dad was always like, you guys come up whenever you want. I have steaks in the fridge. I have I have, I've made extra food, you, you know. So I would come home from a long day of, you know, being a volunteer campus minister. And I would find this guy, this non-Christian, hanging out with my dad. You know, like just being a great human being mm-hmm. to another human being.
0: Yeah.
1: Because he was grateful. They would sit. They would talk. I would catch them watching like late night TV, mm-hmm. you know, where I was so tired from trying to be a good Christian that I, I never spent that time with them. Yeah, you know, I I was not acting towards them in a way that I think Jesus would have wanted me to act as a Christian. I was acting more like a Pharisee, mm-hmm. like I'm better than them. Yeah, because. You know, like they're not—they're not disciples of Jesus. They're not Christians. Yeah. But, they didn't follow
0: the law that we created. Yeah, but
1: ironically, their actions in many ways were more Christian than mine.
0: Yeah,
1: at the time, you know, and that's something over the years that I've—I've I've sought to rectify and change in my own life. Uh, so that's w- that's what I mean, like in a sense of where sometimes the way we live our lives don't uh, play out that we actually are on the same page when it comes to the the way the Bible is trying to speak actually into our lives
0: right and the way I I hear it and the way at least from my journey just this few months is my personal contribution to humanity mm-hmm. um, personal not in an institution but personal like how I was uniquely made to make that contribution, like your friend that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It, he, This is how he contributed in a conversation with your dad mm-hmm. with his gratitude. There, there was no institutional rule or law or guideline, you know, and 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 that's that's something to me. This is why this is such a hot topic for me. Like I've been wanting for us to talk about heaven and earth for so long. Yeah. <laughs> because I believe when we miss this, we miss on our call. We miss the mark.
1: Mm-hmm. The true <laughs> oh, definition of the sin. the
0: true definition yes. of sin.
1: Mm-hmm. Which I think, like even the story of Israel, that that plays out and. You know, unfortunately, in our in our Christian Bibles, the the order of the scriptures have been you know changed to ser- to fit a different way of thinking. Not necessarily wrong, um, but sometimes it does hide the story that the Bible is trying to say. Because you know, like imagine watch trying to watch a television series out of order. Hmm. You know, you're gonna miss it. Imagine lost out of order. Totally, <laughs> <laughs> wow. you'd be so you, you're already lost when you saw it in regular <laughs> <Exactly>. order. <laughs> Imagine you're gonna what you're gonna be like if I showed it to you out of order, you know. But uh, some of my favorite TV shows uh, I never saw when they originally aired. Mm. Um, one in particular uh, was called Firefly. It was like a sci-fi western, and you know the writing on it is brilliant. Uh, the acting is great, uh, but the executives that produced the show, in their supreme wisdom. Mm -hmm. That was sarcastic, in case you guys couldn't tell over the microphone. They decided to air the entire series out of order because they thought like, oh, this is a better way to hook people in. And it just confused Mm -hmm. the viewership. And it only really lasted one season. Mm -hmm. But then when they released it in DVD and it eventually got onto the streaming services uh, like Netflix or Hulu, I don't remember which one it was on. Then it was aired in order, in the proper order that the writers wanted. It's a brilliant show. Mm, it was. It, made sense. it was a tragedy that the show got canceled. It was mm, brilliant. Mm. You know, the writing was great. The acting was great. Um, yeah, people. A lot of those actors and actresses in that show, they got careers from that show, just because people once they saw the vision, people who make movies and make TV were so impressed by their acting you know, in a large part because of the writing yeah. that, you know, like, so anyway, so I think we missed some of it, but one of the lessons that we should have learned from Israel's history is that they made it about actions. Mm. And when whenever you make it about actions, you look for the loophole or you look for the workaround or you try and figure out how to, uh, for lack of a better term, be righteous, Right. And then you miss the point. You miss the mark. That's the true definition of sin. So even like when um, John the Baptist was saying to the, you know, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you brood of vipers, who warned you to escape the coming wrath, right? Brood of vipers, that's language that should hearken back to Genesis. Again, the foundational stories of the whole book, of the whole world really, uh, to the serpent, right? And the serpent biting the heel, of the steed of the woman right this the people of the snake
0: right the seed meaning the offspring
1: yeah the line of cain uh-huh. basically um yeah and that's a, another deep dive that we can go into another day but there's there's a concept here of failing to live up to god's mandate for his people that quite frankly all this talk of you know people being afraid of sin people being afraid of uh, you know, being put in compromised situations. That I feel like is, is the fruit of a much larger root, which is just missing our mark of a purpose that we were created for, um, really through the actions of Jesus, right? You know, Jesus fulfilling Israel's story and fulfilling God's promise to redeem Israel and through that to be a blessing to the nations. That's where we we lose it. Mm-hmm. And I think so... I say all this to say, I think there's one line of, th- of thinking that'll hear all this and it'll be like, yes, mm-hmm. I am with you heart and soul, but their lives don't play that out. Mm-hmm. Not in a sense that...
0: He shows an example. What's the opposite of it? The, what are they doing? What do you mean? Um, these people are saying, I'm with you heart and soul.
1: So like we, we can go through some of, the, some of these scriptures. They under, they They feel like they understand it. They feel like they've read similar books, but because they're looking at it through... I don't know, let's say an ICOC lens, mm-hmm. it's still very much like we have to rescue as many people from hell as possible.
0: Yeah, that's and, the clarity I wanted.
1: Yeah, and we're missing the whole point of the story. Right. That that was never our mandate as Christians. So they
0: will agree with that, but yet mm-hmm. their sole purpose is seek and save the lost. Yeah.
1: Or like, you know, like feeling like, okay, everybody who has any gift needs to be using it for the church, specifically for the church. That's the only place where their ministry is. Uh, where you know, like a person's ministry, you know, like
0: yeah, like my ministry is in my YouTube channel. Yeah, <laughs> my ministry is through my clients in nutrition. Yeah, right, because it's it's my ministry, and I've yep. had many arguments. Um, that you know, I work for the ministry. I'm super busy. I'm more important than what you're doing, yeah. Patty, in
1: your and you're secular. And maybe they job. never say that, like. Oh, no, this person actually did tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I think often... Wow, who? No, I'm kidding. Uh, I think often, though, people won't say it, but that's the way their actions play out. You know, like, I someone might not necessarily say to me, hey, Jimmy, my time is more valuable than you. Mm-hmm. But if it's like, hey, I would love to spend an hour with you, can you come with me while I grocery shop? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to grocery shop, too. Like, you know, like, I have stuff to do, too. Like, you know, like... Is this going to be a friendship where we're, you know, mutually giving to each other? Or is this going to be something where, you know, like because you're in leadership or you're in some type of full time position, you know, you're at a different state than I am. And I, I need to be seeking you out, Yeah. you know, which obviously I don't agree agree with. Um, But yeah, so that's one line of thinking okay. where people can be like, I'm with you, but then their lives aren't playing out for some of the ways we just sketched out.
0: Okay, good. Because that, we need a clarity yeah. with that.
1: But now there's another line of thinking where, you know, if this podcast, excuse me, when this podcast begins to gain more traction, it's very dangerous because we're, in a sense, putting our a target on our back. What do you mean? Like there is like a large branch of Christianity that won't agree with what we're saying um, and will consider it dangerous in the sense that people listening to this and people coming to, you know, like having conversations about this stuff, uh, if you're in a state where you're not thinking the right thing, the right things, and you're not, therefore you're not believing the right things, that you'd be in danger of going to hell when you die. So there's a entire branch of Christianity that will be like almost like violently opposed to even having this conversation. Like, you know, like, they'll want to uh, censor what type of music people listen to. Like, for instance, Lauren Diggle,
0: mm-hmm. right? Love her. Who, Shout out, Lauren.
1: You know you know my whole thing. I guess, you know, you, got, you listeners don't necessarily know. I find most uh, Christian music to be obnoxious. And uh, so I do not connect personally with most Christian music uh, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, things that would be on, like, Star 99.1, but... Um, some of it I find funny, some of it I find blatantly not biblical, and a lot of it I just, I just feel like it's very like selfish, it's very like, you-focused, it's very me, 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 Like you know? But why?
0: Because it, it speaks to a group of people that want to be safe. Hmm. It automatically puts you as a victim hmm. that needs to be rescued to go to heaven. That's why I find it. I mean, I've always found it very difficult for me to swallow 99.1. Now, there was a year that I loved it. (laughs) There was. And that was probably 2018. I still remember calling some people, oh, my goodness, I finally like Christian music after being 10 years of the disciple. But now when I reflect and think back, one of the reasons why I don't like it and maybe why you react to it the same way because it has this victim mentality. It's all about me,
1: mm. me
0: getting to heaven, how God has rescued me, right? It's me, me, me.
1: <laughs> yep. God's on my side, whatever. And
0: forget the world. The world's <laughs> dirty, disgusting, yeah. and I don't care.
1: Yeah, where, you know, I brought up Lauren Diggle because, you know, she was one Christian artist that I, I really did appreciate because mm-hmm. I felt like she spoke more um, – in line with like things that are in the Psalms, her real pain, her real mm-hmm. struggles to, uh, you know, live the scriptures out in her life mm-hmm. uh, in a way that was more true to the biblical story yeah. than just being like, okay, I've checked all my boxes, yeah. you know, like uh, no premarital sex, check, you know, like dressing uh, not in a way that I'm going to make people struggle, check, you right. know, like I have my memory scriptures, check, check. You know all all that fun stuff,
0: yeah, so um, you were talking about music in a sense, you didn't like it. yeah, but what is it that you like? I think is that where you were trying to go with the music?
1: Well, I' just going to say that like there there's a large segment of Christianity, even more so than our own tradition mm-hmm. that you know, gets very very like violently opposed to any thing that's outside of the box they've built for themselves. Yeah. So they've built a box out of, you know scripture verse type of theology. You know, like they would, they would fight me if, you know, if they were here with me. You know, obviously I'm constructing an avatar from them. Uh, but like to say that they would be like, no, we're absolutely taking things in context. No, we absolutely know the gospel. We absolutely know the story of, of the Bible. I, I would disagree, because um, I feel like they're, they're missing so much. And like Rob Bell once said, if the good news isn't good news for everybody, then it's not good news for anybody. You know, so it's like the good news really needs to be good news, not just for you and your tribe, but for the world. And that means Christian, non-Christian. What does that even mean? Yes. So now I think we're back to where we wanted to be to kind of like slow down a little bit. Uh, You know, going through the entire narrative, the way the Bible talks about heaven and earth, um, why, you know, God's space and man's space became separate and God's plan and attempt to bring that all together. Um, So, yeah, we talked about animal sacrifices as a way to deal with sin. Uh You know, we talked about in Leviticus, the concept of, you know, the goat for Yahweh and the scapegoat, the goat that's going to be sent out for wandering. It's going to get its sin uh, the sin of the people laid on its head and it's going to be driven out of the camp. It's being removed from God's presence. And the idea that the life of the animal is in the blood and that somehow covers over uh, the sin of the people, the failure to uh, be what God wanted them to be,
0: to what
1: God purposed them to be. And so then it, we get to Jesus. Mm-hmm. right? And this is where we wanted to kind of slow down more. Uh, but, you know, it, it is, it's just one of those important things because I feel like this is where a lot of things kind of go off the rails, mm-hmm. you know, where we can kind of be looking at the same scriptures, but we see different things. Mm-hmm. I think if you don't understand the, con- the, the rest of the story that the New Testament is couched in, right, it just the New Testament just doesn't appear. And here it is on its own.
0: Well but if you think that the rest of the story is going to heaven right already. Right. And that's your big overarching purpose of the Bible or mm-hmm. your Christianity, why even bother? Yeah. Right? And that's why I believe it becomes very selfish. Yes. Uh, for us to see this. Um, you mentioned something else earlier too, that we needed to look at certain words as clues. And I know Uh that was part of what you did at your deeper dives in your class. Sure. Yeah. I'm not sure if we've ever shared that with our audience here in the Uh, podcast.
1: So it's an idea. Well, I think the idea for the class was a little bit different. It was like looking for like repeated words and phrases from different parts of the Bible you know, as the Bible Project would say, is like hyperlinks or really like, you know, it's pointing you, it's all connected. The book is connected to everything else. Uh, But what I was using in particular was, I don't think we actually did cover this in class, the idea that like certain words that we've translated the Bible into in in English in particular, they're not words that people have any familiarity with outside of a religious context. Like sin... Is is like a word that people may have one time actually used to describe things. All I sinned. Maybe you were trying to hit, you know, a duck with an arrow. Uh You know, "Ah, I Uh sinned. You know, it had a different context. Uh You know, oh, I, I tried to shoot a target coming from an archery term. I sinned. I missed a mark. But
0: I'm a big sinner every morning then. (laughs) Well, no, I'm
1: way more of a sinner than you. How many flower pots have I destroyed? In Uh, our basement? In our basement, shooting your your bow and arrow.
0: It has a few holes.
1: Yeah, yeah. uh, Sorry. Um, (laughs) About your plant again. (laughs) I mean, your dad kind of felt bad about that. But anyway, he probably didn't feel bad. He thought it was hysterical. Um. But yeah, so the idea of that there's word, when you find a word in the Bible that you do not use in common speech, you have some work to do. You need to take that word and you need to decode it into what it would mean in actual English.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes it's hard. Uh, we did talk about that with, uh, you know...
0: In the ac- class. In the class. I mean, but you gave tools. I think it's worth saying the tools down.
1: Oh, sure. Well, there's the, uh, the Blue Letter Bible. Mm-hmm where you can see the Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic words beneath the text. Mm-hmm. And each each word is it's also provided with what is called a strong number, uh, which is an index of all of its biblical usage. So you get like, sometimes it's difficult because sometimes we don't have an exact translation for those words because this isn't even the Greek. It's not like the Greek that people speak today. It's Greek from 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's different languages progressed obviously uh, so some words we're not like really sure and maybe it's only used like a handful of times in the Bible but for the vast majority you can get a good sense of what what the what the meaning was underneath that word and then gets translated into English as like sin or as we'll see as gospel or you know different words that we come across that were like I, I don't use that righteousness mm-hmm. you know who uses who uses that word outside of a religious context? Basically nobody, you know, and the only reason that these words are still in our common vernacular or that we still speak these words is because of the prevalence of Christianity in our culture. But if it wasn't for that, like these words would have died out a long time ago because no one's using them anymore. So it's important to kind of like understand all this stuff because then you come to Jesus and Jesus again just didn't pop out of existence, he, he comes with a history. Uh-huh. There's a story that's still ongoing. You know, this is Jewish literature from the first century that we're reading when we're reading through the Gospels. Uh, you know, it's, it can be considered Second Temple uh, literature, Jewish literature from the first century. But yeah, so then this is where a lot of things can go wrong, because if you're just... If you're letting your tradition inform the context by which Jesus is surrounded with, you get a very different meaning from Jesus than you would get if you you know you're following the threads of the whole story. Right. So when Jesus comes, Jesus is intentionally described in temple language. He's described as both the temple and the spirit that dwells in the temple, uh, in various parts of in the Gospels, the four Gospels, um, you know, we could go through them, you Please. know, <laughs> we're going to go through a few and then uh, we will move on. So we can't go through all of them because they're, they're literally all over the place. But the three examples I had given last week, we'll actually look at the scriptures today. And John 1, and uh, if, you're, if you're following along with us, John 1 is right before John 2. I love that my That's wife still laughs at these corny that jokes. Dad joke. It's a terrible joke. Mark Thompson, if you're out there, I blame you for my corny sense of humor. Uh, John 1, 14, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. So the idea of dwelling among us, God dwelling among us. If you remember the discussion from last week, that was the whole purpose of the temple. So that God could dwell with humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, his glory. You know, we have seen his glory. Uh, the glory that, you know, followed, that led the Israelites through the wilderness. The glory that descended uh, upon the tent of meeting, the tabernacle in, in the old, in Exodus, sorry. Uh, the glory that filled Solomon's temple. is. It said, like, we saw it and it was in Jesus. Using the same type of temple language. We can go to John 2. John is big on this. John, like, loves this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, the four Gospels are very interesting because I I do feel like we've we've made an attempt over the years to harmonize the Gospels. And I'm like, I've come to the conclusion I'm very against that. I feel like the Gospels should be studied and read on their own terms. Yeah, and when you
0: try to harmonize, you lower the volume, you raise the volume yes. of others. That's that's uh, that's which NT Wright right. book is that? How God Became How King. God
1: Became King. Yep. Yes, that that was a that's one of your favorite.
0: It's my favorite. Really, over surprised hope? Surprise oh, hope. Wow. Absolutely.
1: Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a that's a good one. Um, that's a great analogy too, and we missed the point. Like I think we think of these books, these gospels, as like the rolling videotape of what we would have seen. You know, if we were there, yeah. you know, like making the movie while it was happening, yeah. like the real life TV, the reality TV, someone following through Jesus and you can hear the crunching of his sandals and, you know, like... like his vlog. Yeah, like almost like The Office. Like, <laughs> a you day know, in the life of Jesus. <laughs> you know, like The Office where it's like all shaky video camera because yeah. they're doing yeah. a documentary about The uh-huh. Office that they forgot because it, it went on like 11 years. Or in Community where they don't even like pretend like there's a documentary crew it's just for some reason like they're always looking at the camera yeah because i don't know but yeah so we think the gospels are like that like that's what we're seeing we're seeing the shaky camcorder or cell phone video Mm -hmm. and they're not right they're pieces of literature put together pieces of literary genius exactly and they're put together for a purpose and a point right the the gospel authors have agendas mm-hmm. that they are trying to to tell you something. Yes. And when you attempt to harmonize, you you miss so much because you feel like, oh, like I have to fit this here. Does that mean Jesus went to Jerusalem twice? Maybe it wasn't recorded in this in this guy. And it's like, stop, just stop, 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 stop. And just understand the gospels on their own terms and how they connect back to the larger story that they're picking up. Because they're each picking it up uh, in their own way. So anyway, now in John two, verse 12, after this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover. Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple courts. He found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves and others sitting at tables, exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove them all from the temple area both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered what it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do this? So here we see, you know, Jesus clearing a temple just as the glory of Yahweh Right. Entered into these temple spaces, Moses's and then Solomon's and then people couldn't go in there anymore. It's like when Jesus enters the temple, it's like the glory of God settling on this temple and it's removing people from it because we had a gap. Right. So Moses's uh, tent, Moses's temple was filled with God's glory. Uh They had to deal with it. Solomon's temple was filled with God's glory. And they couldn't enter and they had to deal with that appropriately. When they rebuilt the temple when they came back from Babylon, right, which we, we find, we find that account in Ezra and Nehemiah, that never happens. The glory of God never returns. It's one of those things that the authors never explicitly tell you, but there's weeping. It talks about people who saw the old temple in Solomon's day. As the foundation was, was repaired, they were weeping because they remembered the glory of the former temple because God's presence hadn't returned. And then we get to chapter two of John. This is why I think John puts it here, you know, whenever it actually happened, because at the beginning of the story, Jesus returns and the glory of God fills the temple and then people can't go in. People are removed. This is not about money. This isn't. This is, <laughs> how many
0: you, <laughs> sermons have been around that?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I try not to pay attention because I get too upset. Uh, this isn't about money. This isn't about like these people were, were they were how terrible they were to be selling these things. Yeah, these were things that people actually would have needed to perform sacrifices, mm-hmm. as instructed by God. In in the Leviticus. Leviticus, So this is something that needed to be done. The problem here is that they were doing it in what was called the court of the Gentiles. They were doing it in a place that was supposed to be. If you were not from Israel, if you were not a native-born Israelite, and you wanted to worship Yahweh in his temple, this was a space reserved for you. But they weren't honoring that by keeping it clear for worship and coming close to God. They were doing, they were using it as like a marketplace. So when Jesus comes, now his glory is filling the temple because we just said, we just found out from John one 14, that we've seen his glory. His, God's glory through Jesus is entering the temple. That temple is cleared. Mm-hmm. It's re- that stuff that was sin. Now pay attention because sin now is the failure for Israel to fulfill its purpose right. as being a light to the Gentiles. Right. That that was their mandate. Mm-hmm. And if they're not reserving that space for Gentiles to come in to God's space, then they're missing the they're missing the point. The no, the missing the point, point of the whole thing. Right.
0: Just like we can miss the point yeah. of not accepting other denominations and other opinions and other people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I think we missed the mark a lot. I I feel like we're repeating Israel's mistakes mm-hmm. in in Christianity. And, you know, it, it scares me, to be mm-hmm. quite honest. I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think part of me wants to just worry about my little corner of the world, uh, what I do with my life. And I'm just, I'm not sure if that's me being selfish. You know, if, if just focusing on me and not focusing on the rest of my spiritual family not focusing on my extended family of the entire world like am i too missing the heart of the story yeah you know
0: well we're doing this podcast because we want to get this conversation That's right. going
1: and let's go to colossians because paul tracks with this paul gets this he understands he understands he understands the gospel even though you know paul's letters were earlier than the gospels more likely than not. Uh, Let's go to Colossians. Girls eat popcorn. (laughs) Thank you for that one too, Mark Thompson, if you ever listen. Colossians 1, verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace, through his blood shed on the cross. So there's this idea that remember we have the God's plan in Leviticus, right? Was the idea of the life of this animal somehow dealing with the sin, Mm -hmm. you know, and it is very mysterious and it is something that's kind of hard to wrap your head around. Um, Even actually, you know, if you think about it, the Bible has, again, a funny way of leaving things out the first time, you know, an animal ever died on behalf of man is right after the fall.
0: Right. You know, men create, I mean, when God creates clothing for Adam and Eve.
1: Yeah. So there was a death. Right. God said, surely you will die. And now you can look back and be like, oh, wow, like that death happened so much later. (laughs) Like they lived like 900 years or something like that. But there was a death that happened immediately when God made clothes from animal skins to cover their nakedness, to cover their shame. Yeah. So, you know, this is an old idea that's been woven into the entire tapestry of the Bible. And here, you know, Paul is tracking with it. And, you know, when he says, "What for God was pleased to have this fullness dwell, again, this idea of the fullness of God. And this is a call back to Isaiah 6, 3. This is, this is temple language. This is the idea of the Spirit of God uh, dwelling in... Um, Jesus, this, as Jesus as the temple. Jesus is like a little mobile temple, kind of mm-hmm. running around and making places where heaven and earth are together. And like it says in verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, this coming together of heaven and earth in Jesus through the cross.
0: Right. Somehow. Right. You know? So again, not us going, not us leaving Earth and going <laughs> to this magical place.
1: Um, yeah.
0: We we just gotta keep coming back to that. Yeah, because, I mean because I think mean, this is when we miss the mark, people. We think we're going to this magical place outside this Earth, and we don't care about this mm-hmm. Earth, about yep. this wor- the world basically. So yeah. worldly, I'm spiritual.
1: Yeah, this idea, like again. Now I don't think we've we've seen this yet in the scriptures that we we've, we've looked at, but throughout the rest of the narrative, there's this idea of God coming down to us. Mm-hmm. You know, God's spirit came down to Moses, and you know, the tent he built, the tent of meeting. Sorry, the tabernacle. Keep doing that. Uh, God's spirit came down in Solomon's temple, right? And so it, it's like here, when they rebuilt the temple from exile, it never happened. Jesus comes. Jesus comes down to us. God is coming to live with us, coming to dwell with us, not to take us away. <laughs>
0: right. But isn't it too, like when Jesus got baptized, when the doesn't yes. they also mm-hmm. say that yeah. it came down, the Spirit... Um, yes, it did. Yeah, so. Filled
1: Jesus as if he was a temple. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's all over. The, that's why it's like we can't look at every example because it's like the authors of the New Testament... They totally tracked with this. Like this right. is all over the place. And, you know, I think it can be confusing because I th- sometimes uh, the Gospels do explicitly say, as it's said in the, by the prophet, whoever, Isaiah, um, or whoever. But a lot of times it doesn't, but it uses language that if you're tracking the whole time with this story, like you just said, you're, you're clued in. You're picking this up. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know the story... If you don't know the rest of the narrative that's come before, Mm -hmm. right? Like we, I think we've seen it. I don't know if we did it ever in this podcast, but the 20% that's at the end, (laughs) which is the New Testament, if we haven't read the 80% that comes before it, we're going to miss all these things. And what we're going to do is we're going to fill those gaps with the way we think the world works. Right. Maybe from our own tradition, maybe from Greek philosophy, Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, a lot of us don't even realize how we still live in the shadow of the Enlightenment. And the post enlightenment, and a lot of those philosophies are are still with us. They still speak. Can you in,
0: give us an example,
1: uh, like the idea of progress, the idea <laughs> like that the world is on a trajectory where it's getting better and better over time. Um, you know, I'm not going to go into now whether or not I agree with that or disagree with that, but just you know, idea of uh, freedom, fundamental freedom, um, that's something that came out of the enlightenment post and uh, the post enlightenment. Uh, The inalienable rights of man. The what? Inalienable rights of man. What
0: does that
1: mean? All, All men are entitled to the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness, and the pursuit of happiness. Gotcha. Yeah. Even the foundational documents of our nation, a lot of those things are in there, and it's kind of seeped into American culture. You know? So all this stuff is still with us that we don't even realize. You know, a lot of times when people take a philosophy course, you know, they'll be like, I think that, huh and it's like this these are ideas that have their origin like hundreds if not thousands of years ago mm-hmm. you know Plato, if he ever existed existed you know before Jesus and his ideas are still with us and it's not things that you're aware of they're just in the background they they form your unconsciousness they form your identity in ways that you don't even realize just this idea that if you're not tracking with the whole story, you're gonna fill in the gaps with your own story from another place that's not necessarily from the Bible. And I think at a certain point, we just have to sweep everything to the side and just say, you know what? Maybe there's things, some things I don't know, maybe some things I I got wrong, we got wrong, we got a, a wrong along the way. Let's look at this in its entirety, not to prove that what i've known all along is right but just to even just be like what did i what did i get what am i missing here what is the bible trying to speak into my day and age into my personal life that is different than what i was trying to make it say
0: a very humbling place um that last statement right it's scary uh, when we try to make our lives black and white it's scary when we want to face life with such certainty mm. uh, I, I still want to read the um the Certainty... The Sin of Certainty but, sin of by certainty, Peter Enns. I definitely want... Well, now that I'm listening... Now that I've been taking that class hmm. um, with... Uh, what's her name again?
1: Cynthia something. Yeah. Yes.
0: An anyway, she's really cool great teacher. Yep. Um, which that's for another topic. But yes, women can teach the Bible. What? what? <laughs> Anyway, I, I think that was way too much, but one of the things as I'm recapping here and I and I love explaining it this way is that when we have we approach life with so much certainty, we it influences us to place this identity. And then, so for this podcast, it's this identity as a Christian. So my identity, my goal is to seek and save the laws. That's what I do. I'm a disciple and my job is to rescue people. That's the end goal. And then how we approach the scriptures is so radically different when we have that mindset. And um, Or we could approach the scriptures... Understanding the uncertainty or the things that are not black and white or things that are not super clear, and understand when we approach it this way that that will influence us to accept that we're a process, right? We, we, I mean, how many, I mean, are you the same person you were 20 years ago?
1: No, I'm much better looking.
0: (laughs) Are you the same person two years ago? No. Are you the same person you were a week ago? No. <laughs> Just an, I'm not the same person even from 2 3 hours ago of the recording of this.
1: What? <laughs>
0: Guys, we fought about mm, an hour and no. Two hours, I will say flat.
1: They don't need to know that we of, fight.
0: of how we even got started. With You're this gonna episode. spoil the
1: magic. They think <laughs> we're, we're always like just so happy.
0: Oh, that's well. That's why we are happy because we we learn to disagree. We we rumble, right? Mm. We 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 have these conversations, and well, today's rumble was a little longer than what I would have liked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the rumbling. Um, but I think this is such a great way to stop and just camp on what when you just read on Jesus as a temple, where heaven meets earth, to really be able to to connect, right? And so I'm grateful for um you know you kind of we, we camped out on John first John verse 44 and John two verses 18 to 22. One of the things that NT Wright um, recommended or advice at the end of how God became King uh, on the Gospels, right? Is for us to read the whole book. So read the whole book of John in one sitting.
1: What <laughs> you can do that,
0: and but but the just the way I was been brought up, or even made taught. it like taught well taught and also self-taught was that I needed to grab one verse and just like do whatever it takes to apply. Yeah. Right? Versus responding to the scripture. But you can't respond out of one verse. You got to respond from the, the the complete sentence, right? And so for me, or well, at least, I mean, I don't know if this is you want to head with, with our listeners um, as we approach our next series, which is the Gospels, to encourage them to read through one of them. Yep. Just even that exercise alone can be a game changer. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, because I, I, I think it's important. I think it's important to understand or just to read the whole thing. You know, I kind of have a love and hate relationship with this, the way that we've kind of been taught to read scriptures as like a personal devotion. Yes. I think it's, it can be a very like selfish or me focused way of interacting with the scriptures. Like you're trying to get out the thing for you, the thing to make your life better, the thing to improve your habits, the thing to make you, you know, where, okay, maybe, you know, I think that's, that's true there too. But a lot of it, I think we're missing the point of the whole story because that's, those things weren't written so you would you could have a better life they were written so you could be a part of God's grand narrative that has been playing itself out since the creation of the world yeah so i think in reading large chunks of scripture relatively quickly without stopping to look for the practical application for me personally has been life changing yeah this is where i started my journey out of scripture verse theology and systematic theology into this larger world. Like as Obi-Wan Kenobi once said, (laughs) you have taken your first steps into a larger world. So to recap, as we're going on this journey together, uh, you know, we're going to be getting into the gospel soon. What is the gospel? What is the gospel not? Uh, As we get into it, we do want to encourage you guys just to, you know, pick a gospel. And just read it in one sitting. Yes. Uh, that's an important part of the Christian journey is just getting these words into you without necessarily looking for the thing to do or the thing to apply, you know, because Christianity was never really about do, 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 do about all the do do's. <laughs> right? It was about, you know, being mm. who you are, who, who you're becoming. Who has God designed you to be? And, you know, I'm kind of reminded of some of the words that Paul had to Timothy, uh, you know, often used inappropriately. Uh, but, you know, in Second Timothy 15, it says, And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Again, this concept that Jesus and his followers, when they read the Old Testament, they were like, "That's about Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's all about Jesus." You know, Jesus was like reading his scriptures, and he's like, "This is all about me." And everyone was like, "No, it's not Jesus." And he's like, "Ha, yes, it is. It is because, and you don't think it is because you're you don't know the story. You don't know the narrative. You haven't been reading the way you've been supposed to reading. You're reading it, Pharisees, trying to figure out what you need to do, what you need to follow." I think so much of modern Christianity, especially our tradition, is looking for what do I need to do? What are the boxes I need to check so I can be a good Christian boy or girl, so that I can make it to heaven? And I think if Jesus was here, he'd be like, stop. Read the whole story. Like he says to Timothy earlier in chapter 2, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. Because as he tells him later, you've known the scriptures since you were a child from infancy. That's years and years. We're all looking for the shortcut. We're all looking for the life hack. You're not Mm going to find it when it comes to Christianity being a disciple. You have to follow Jesus into these words. And you have to let it lead you where it will lead you and let go. Hold your theology a little less tight and hold on to Jesus a little bit more and enter into the scriptures and take in to yourself large chunks of it at a time. One sitting, one gospel. It's the One Gospel, One Sitting Challenge brought to you by Life to the Full podcast, a message to Christians.
0: See you next week.